So this morning, we do have a, quite a bit of ground to cover. But I just I want to challenge you. I feel like, you know, without, <clears throat> without digging up really deep, we'll break this down into three different sections. And, and I really feel like there's some practical things in God's Word. And I believe that. And every time I sit down with God's Word or I teach it or don't get a chance to preach much anymore, at least in, I, you know, all of our staffers got called to the big leagues um, over the last few weeks. And so, but I believe that God's, God's word always requires a, sp- a response, especially in a worship time experience. And so I just want you to be open to what, you know, there could be some people in here that may be able to relate to this all together and just take, you know, and take it and hopefully apply it and live it out, the practical application side of things. And if not, I just want to encourage you to, you know, we always need those tools in our tool belt, right? Because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring or next week is going to bring or who you're going to meet. And so I believe as Christians, we're, we're applying God's word to our lives. And if it's things that we're okay with now, we still, there's somewhere down the line where God can use what maybe uh, you learned today, if anything, um, from me. So I'm going to begin reading in uh, Acts 15, um, verses 36 through 41 first. So let's begin this morning. Keep in mind, multiplication by division this morning. In verse 16 of, of Acts, I'm sorry, verse 36 of Acts 15. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. It's accountability. Now Barnabas wanted to take them, take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And then arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. So we're going to camp out right there for just a second. I, I love the Bible. I love God's word. Sometimes, um, sometimes it is hard to love, especially when it's convicting, right? And it, and it overwhelms me because there's things in my life that I'm seeing in scriptures as a believer that I shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be thinking or, you know, lack of faith, whatever that may be. But I love God's word. And I, I love how our love letter from from him to us doesn't polish over uh, great men of faith and, and their fears, their weaknesses, and their shortcomings. And I believe that, that that's what's going on in these few verses right here. You know, here we see a disagreement between, between two men who had served in, in, in such a sacrificial way in, in the first missionary journey to the Gentiles, two men, Paul and, and Barnabas. And so these two men had worked arm in arm, and through them, God used them in, in miraculous ways. Together, they had faced many triumphs, many trials, and, and potential death. And their bond with one another was undeniable. So, yet we see a dispute between two men who had such a powerful connection, not only with one another, but a powerful connection with our Lord. So their dispute rose over um, the place... Um, in the mission of, of Mark, who in some texts indicate that, that uh, he was related to Barnabas. Now, whether he was um, a cousin or a nephew, 
um, of Barnabas, it's unclear, but, but we do know that he was family of Barnabas. So we do know that during that, their first missionary journey, uh, that Mark was invited to come along and be a part of, of the team and had a solid role in the mission. We know that he was a busy bee. He was working. He was a, had a, a, a good-sized role in the first missionary journey. So, but early on in that journey, uh, for some reason, he went home. You know, maybe he was in fear of, of um, uh, the obstacles, or maybe he was in fear of the danger, or maybe there was a conflict between uh, he and Paul. We don't know, but in any case, he left. So I'm assuming that, that possibly the Apostle Paul, for this reason, didn't feel comfortable um, uh, that he could take another chance on, on Mark and was pretty adamant with Barnabas that Mark was not to join uh, them as they moved forward. And so uh, I just want to kind of practically apply those things this morning. I feel like there's a couple of nuggets that we can unload uh, that maybe our heart needs or, again, maybe that spiritual tool belt as a, as a Christian uh, but we're going to take a look at a couple of thoughts that, that we can apply to our lives when in the middle of a dispute. Okay, we're going to start there this morning. Disagreement. Has anybody had a disagreement with anybody recently? I know there's some brothers at our camp that did. <laughs> there were multiple brothers, so I'm not going to tell you who it was. But uh, listen, um, you know, I think that, you know, they were uh, middle dispute with someone they like. I'm sorry, let me back up. Let's take a look at a couple of thoughts. Friendship shared between Paul and Barnabas, okay? And again, that dispute was concerning Mark, all right? And, and really, this dispute essentially ended uh, Paul and Barnabas' uh, association with one another. So the first thing is this. Take it or leave it today, okay? I know I need to take it right now. But in a disagreement, we have to pray for the ability to see both sides. We have to pray for the ability to see both sides. You know, good, good common sense may tell us that, that seeing the other person's point of view uh, in a dispute will help tremendously. But, but in, the, in the heat of the battle, sometimes common sense becomes a, little le- a lot less common, actually, doesn't it? You know, we want, uh, what we want overshadows what we know to be right. And so our rights, we think about this, our, we feel sometimes that our rights have been violated and we want justice or maybe... Our viewpoint has been ignored and, and we just want to be heard or our standards have been compromised and we want excellence. Think about that. When our well-being is threatened, thinking about the, the welfare of another, especially our opponent, feels like self-destruction, doesn't it? Because our natural response is self, self-preservation. We need, we need supernatural help to say... I really want to see the view, your viewpoint. How hard is that? How many times in a disagreement that you were like, me, 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 I, 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 and you really didn't care how somebody else felt? We've got to take that time to hear and listen. You know, sometimes I know with my own family and even some of my friends, I'll, I'll text this when, we're, when things aren't going too well. I'll text this long text, you know, and then all of a sudden I get yes back. Anybody ever do that? Or I'll text this long text just pouring out my heart and then there's a no. Sometimes we just need to listen to people, right? And I would rather settle conflict uh, because these days, who has a phone with a cord on it? Anybody in here? Probably not. The first service, I thought everybody, it was like, no, I'm joking. 
I'm joking. No, I mean, these days it's so easy just to text, isn't it? Or maybe shoot an email. We really need to pick up the phone. We don't know what people are going through. You know, we don't know what people are going through. You've got to think that way when it comes to conflict. Okay? We, got the, we need to pray for the ability to, to see both sides. So at this point, listen, pray for this and yourself and others and have others pray on your, your behalf, okay? That, that you will see the other's viewpoint, okay? Sometimes it, may, it takes a call. Sometimes it takes a visit. I try not to do uh, disagreements by text because I can't see that person's face. I just like to see facial expressions. I feel like I'm a good reader of people, okay? Somewhat, all right? So, I'm sorry? Look at the peanut gallery down here. What are you, what are you guys doing? Thank you, Gracie. These, look, these are my peeps. Last week, we, we bonded, okay? That was a lot of fun. Thank you again for trusting us and praying for us. So in a conflict, pray for the wisdom to see the other side, uh, the other side's point of view, okay? And listen, I believe, I believe that some years after uh, what had happened, after his partnership with Barnabas in, uh, ended, I believe that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, 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 uh, in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what he wrote. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what do you think? I wonder if Paul maybe, maybe looked back on how he had responded to conflict and, and regretted his contact, uh, conduct. So not only should we pray uh, for the ability to see both sides, I think something else we see in here is if, we, if, if a disagreement continues, don't give up. We have to stay the course, okay? I believe that we live in a fight-or-flight world. I really do. You know, we have such a broad range of choices we have that increased mobility. We can go where we want, when we want. We've got the internet, you know, and a declining value on relationships have all continued to a, uh, contributed to a society that says, if I, don't, if I don't get my way, I'm getting out. If I don't get my way, I'm getting out. I think that's the way society is. Nobody wants to put in work when it comes to relationships. Again, if we do, it's via that text, Right? It's not going face-to-face with somebody. Look, that's hard. It's hard to execute biblical discipline sometimes. You know, we live, we live in a, a, a world where rather than doing the difficult work of seeing another person's point of view, rather than, than bearing the discomfort of compromise, ra- rather than seeking the greater good of all, we leave, hoping to find what we want somewhere else. You don't like the way things are done at church? Go to another. Now, I'm not saying anybody's like that in here. Please give us a chance if you are, okay? Come see us. But if you don't like the way things are done at church, you go to another. You don't like your job because maybe the boss has asked you unfairly to, do some, to work some extra overtime? You leave. You quit, right? And what's that going to do? Most of the time, unless you have something else, you're going to put your family in a financial bind. You know, tragically, the choice to leave when it comes to relationships, sometimes often occur shortly before the solution God has prepared can present itself. God's timing is perfect. And sometimes we just have to slow down, right? Don't give up. Stay the course, okay? Stay the course. Don't give up on a resolution 
when the conflict goes on longer than what you expected. Don't sacrifice the relationship um, when you've run out of options. I, th- I believe that, that when you run out of options, that is when you need to trust the Lord to solve the problem on your behalf. Maintaining the relationship through, difficult, through difficulty then becomes a matter of faith. A matter of faith. All right? God doesn't want us to live life with broken relationships. If you stay the course and you just trust Him to accomplish what you cannot, He will be faithful. You know, even if the other party makes reconciliation impossible, God's going to honor your faithfulness. Okay? Now listen, there, there can be times where uh, in our lives when conflict just refuses to go away and refuses to be resolved, when, when there's not a possible solution found and, and agreed upon, and the best response is a parting of ways. And I believe in the scripture, that's what we see this morning with Paul and Barnabas. Okay, In the middle of a disagreement, though, please remember, pray for the ability to see both sides. And don't give up. Stay the course. I, again, I don't believe that the Lord wants any of us to go through life with broken relationships. I've done it. I've tried. Um, I've done the best that I could. And if you're in a relationship with somebody and it's not well, first you have to figure out, between the, first you need to figure out from God, ask for forgiveness, repent of what you've done, right? Ask for forgiveness, accept that, and then go to that person. Repent if you've done something to them, ask for their forgiveness, and move on. Sometimes it is hard, though. Okay, let's move on to Acts 16, verses 1 through 10. So now we see Timothy joins uh, Paul and Silas. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of the Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily, multiplication. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7, and when they came, when they had come up to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, so passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of, the Mace- of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Just a few quick little things with these with these 10 verses, okay? First is this. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever wa- tried to walk into a store and you tried to open a door uh, by pulling it and there was a sign all along that said push and you keep pulling, you're pulling and you're pulling and you're even looking in the window and you're like, are they even open? Pull it and then somebody behind you comes up and pushes it open. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that has done that, Okay. But listen, closed doors don't feel, don't feel nearly so frustrating with the right perspective. Paul ran into a closed door deal here, right? When we trust in God's plan, knowing that he's in control 
and then he always does what is right. It's like anxiety melts into confidence. Irritation yields to surrender, and fear gives way to trust. Paul's closed-door experience offers some truths for us to to, uh, keep in mind when we have reached a dead end in something that we're doing in life, right? Maybe something that God has led us to do. First, there's this. Before the Lord can turn us, He's got to stop us. God may want us to see something before moving on. Maybe there's a perspective, some perspective that we need or maybe some crucial information that, that we lack. And second, there's this. God will never close a door that he has, uh, unless He has planned to open another. God will never close a door unless He has a plan to open another. You know, I believe that this is a bold, bold affirmation of God's sovereignty. I don't believe that, that any Christian has the right to feel hopeless. And I hope that none of us are feeling hopeless today. None of us. I think it's just the opposite. There's no such thing as a hopeless case for a Christian. Because we know who's in control. We know where to get guidance and counsel. You know, in Paul's case, the the Lord used circumstances to to guide the apostle and his team, directing them like water down a chute to Troas. At the end of this blind alley, they had little choice but to wait on the Lord for direction. Rather than being disappointed, they they waited for direction, confident in the mission that the the Lord had them on. And for us, we we need to resist the urge to fight our way out of the dead end. Resist the urge to fight our way out of the dead end. Instead, we just need to pull back sometimes. We just need to pull back and wait. Instead of searching for an escape, seek the Lord's direction. Ultimately, just as Paul, we need to trust in God's timing and that it is and always will be perfect. So listen, when you feel like there's a... Maybe for some of us in here this morning, there's a closed door in our life, whether it's a job whether it's a relationship, whether we're just at it with our children and we can't seem to have any progress, just stop, just hold up, wait. Trust the Lord to guide you. Again, I believe that everything is about us acknowledging His presence in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life without Him. Life is tough. Life is crazy. Okay, let's move on. Acts 16. We're going we're gonna to break this down into three parts real quick. Somebody said, you better have us out of here at 1145. I'm on it. So now we're going to see the conversion of Lydia. Okay, Think of everything that Paul's gone through to this point. Disagreement. Now he's running into a wall. Look what happens now. Division. Multiplication. Verse 11. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, Neapolis, excuse me, and from there Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside to the gate to the riverside, where we suppo- where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together, one who had. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, 
and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So, listen, after, after, after a long period of frustration trying to penetrate Asia with the gospel, while one door after another was closed, Paul and his team finally found an opening in Europe. Without hesitation, that, that group set sail to Macedonia. Their groundbreaking ministry was, a new, was a new, uh, in a brand new area among people of a very different mindset. And I believe that it's highlighted in, in three principles regarding ministry for us, okay, as well as any type of worthwhile effort that, that we may be going through in our lives, any, some worthwhile effort that maybe the Lord has put uh, in front of us, okay? And it could be, again, a relationship. It could be a business it could be just walking across the street and listening, witnessing to a friend, okay? First is this, and I believe that we see this in, in verses 11 through 15. We must be flexible. We must be flexible. And I don't, I don't mean with your body, okay? Some of you I know couldn't, I can't even hardly bend over and tie my shoes, okay? Flexible. You know, if, we, if we're set in concrete, uh, with a list of hard and fast rules and, and regulations, I think that we're laying the groundwork for failure, all right? One of the beautiful things about the Spirit of God is, is that He keeps us flexible. Let's back up to verse 9 real quick. Verse 9 says this, And a vision appeared to Paul, stay with me here, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Right? So Paul's vision featured what? It featured a man, didn't it? A man from Macedonia calling him for help. But what happens in these verses? It's the conversion of Lydia, a woman. We see his first convert, a woman from Asia, who, which was a region that he had not been able to enter. So imagine if Paul, with that call, would have, would have just focused on Macedonia men. When he found the customary uh, place where Jews gathered for prayer, he found a group of women and they became the focus of his ministry. For us, as it was Paul, it's a sign of maturity to stay flexible. And it's hard. It is hard to stay flexible. I get it. Do your best as a growing Christian to flex with the scene. And there's some scenes I don't even want to be a part of these days. I'll be honest with you. It is hard to be flexible in the world in which we live right now, but... If we want to be used as God, and I love the prayer, be used as a, a, a channel for the Holy Spirit to work through, we have got to be flexible. Flexible. It's not about us. Amen? The message never changes, but we have a vast variety of methods available to us to meet an endless number of opportunities. And every single one of us, listen, if you're in school, if you're in the workplace, we all have dozens of opportunities. Something I just, I don't like hearing from people is like, well, I'm just not around lost people. You're around lost people every day. If you go pump your gas, there's a chance that the lady working inside there could be lost. Well, what about the person on the other side of the pump? Or if you're in K. Roger or Walmart, we're around lost people. There are different methods that you can use. That one may work over here, but it won't work over here, so we have to stay flexible, right? Tracks. Has anybody ever used a track to witness with? It's a great, it's a great tool. I believe that the best way to, to witness to somebody is to share your own testimony. Share your own testimony. 
People want to hear what God's really up to, and that's the best way to witness is sharing your testimony. Social media, as much as I'm not a, a techie guy and I'm not big on social media, I am on Facebook with all the other older people in the room. And so I believe that social media is a good way. I saw some kids at, at camp with T-shirts on sharing the gospel. There's something that I wear in my wrist that says, I am second. You know how many conversation starters that's made? A ton. And we're like, what, what, who are you second to? <laughs> Boom, thank you for reading my little white wristband. We have to stay flexible, okay? What works when witnessing one person might not work so well with another. So be sensitive and flexible. Second principle I think we see is in verses 16 through 18. Verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. People having become greatly annoyed, I'm sorry, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So the second, the second principle of this is we're, if, if we're living flexible and God's doing a great work in our lives, listen, we are going to face resistance. We will face resistance. When you're involved in a unique ministry opportunity or a new kind of endeavor like Paul and Silas, right? Or if your, your faithful efforts produce some kind of breakthrough like Paul and Silas, Okay? The devil has a way of bringing a unique kind of resistance to us. And listen, I promise, he will meet you halfway or better every single time. Every single time. You may try one strategy and he's going he's gonna to hit you with the counterattack. Or you'll try another approach and he's going to counter. Okay? And the resistance always feels overwhelming compared to the, to the joy of progress. It's because it takes so many positives to make up for one negative in our lives, doesn't it? Listen, though, this is normal. If we're doing good work for the Lord, you've got to expect Satan to show up. The enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, all right, which he was with Paul here. Okay, We've got to understand that he's going to counterattack. But listen, not if, but when this happens... All it is is a backhanded compliment from the enemy that you, what you have done and what you are doing is effective. When you learn to see the resistance of, the, of, the, uh, of evil in those terms, perseverance becomes easier. You know, the last thing, the last thing that you want to do at this point is give up. Until you throw the towel in, Satan does not win. Until you throw the towel in, Satan has not won. I want you to listen to a, a quote from Winston Churchill who rallied his country to fight Nazi Germany. He says this. This is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Or in my own words, closer to home for me, uh, Rudy Rudiger, who played for Notre Dame, went on to play one game. He was a walk-on. He just went through all kinds of stuff, finally got on the team at Notre Dame. He always says, never quit. Never quit. 
Never, never, ever get in, give in to overwhelming circumstances or situations or the might of the enemy. So stay flexible. No resistance is coming. And we're going to close with the third principle that we see in verses uh, 19 through 34. Okay? Sowing praise in rough times reaps a harvest of joy. Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, right? Prayed, Paul, pray, uh, Paul prayed this out of her. And then I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, Paul, uh, Paul prayed. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Look, I'm, these guys just lived a life, didn't they? And when they had inflicted many blows when when they had inflicted many blows upon them they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely having received this order he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bond was unfastened when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in this house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed. What a long passage, but it started with division. And again, it ends with the kingdom growing, multiplication. So the last one. Sowing praise in rough times reaps a harvest of joy. You know, it's easy, it's really easy to praise God when in our lives, when the money is flowing in, isn't it? Or the organization is, is humming along smoothly and the winds at your back and decisions in our lives are easy. You know, it's natural to praise God after the earthquake has broken open uh, the prison gates, but it's extremely difficult, extremely difficult to praise God while you're still in the dungeon with your back against the wall, and you, see, and you see no natural reason to hope. Or maybe when you, when you have received mistreatment or misunderstanding for your best efforts, it's kind of easy for us to wonder, is all this pain that I'm suffering worth it? I'm sure those are things that Paul and Silas felt. But what did they do after being bitten? Uh, bitten, probably. <laughs> beaten. Feet in stocks. What did they do? Come on, I can't, I can't have a bad day and do the things that they did. 
At the end of a bad day, sometimes that's the last thing I want to do is sing praises and hymns to the Lord. It's natural to praise God after the earthquake has broken open the, the prison gates, but it's extremely difficult to praise God while you're still in the dungeon with your back against the wall and you see no natural reason to hope. Again, I'm just repeating. I know when you have received mistreatment and misunderstanding, and we all do for our best efforts, it's easy to wonder what? Is all this pain worth the suffering? You know, I believe that just like love, just like love, joy is a choice. We have a choice to love and we have a choice to live with joy. The lost, they need to see us come alive with Jesus in Jesus Christ. And the only way they're going to see that is in the hard times, they see joy in us just as they did in Paul. God uses the joy of our of his servants to accomplish his plans, not because he needs our power of positive thinking, to make good things happen, but to encourage us to choose to find satisfaction in Him rather than our circumstances. Rather than in our circumstances. And after all, think about it. He is permanent. He is permanent. Circumstances, our circumstances, most of the time change with the weather. But He is permanent. I'm going to close with this statement. Praising in Him. Praising Him in the hard times will, will cause you to reap a harvest of joy, not only in the future, but in the present, right where you are. So listen, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what kind of relationship you have. Maybe everything's great. I know mine's not. I've got some rocky relationships right now. It's tough, you know? There's some things that I'm, I'm working through in ministry that I'm not being very flexible about. What about you? How are your relationships? Are you being flexible? Do you know that they, you're going to face resistance? I want to pray. If you need prayer, we're going to be here this morning. If you're visiting us online and, and maybe this struck a chord with you today, I want you to go to that uh, Next Steps Hub. Reach out to us so we can reach back to you. And if you need prayer today, maybe today's the day that you'd like to join our congregation. Or maybe today's the day of salvation for you. I'm going to be down here. If there's something that I can pray for you, please come see us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for Paul and Barnabas and Mark and Timothy and Silas. And thank you for this story in your word, God, that is relevant and that is practical. We just have to dig into it. And God, I lift this time up to you, Father. I pray that you're honored by it. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Do a work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.